Sports Day, live from the Toolkit Depot Studios at Optus Stadium. For Kia, the seven-seat Kia Sorento large SUV. Yeah, it's great to have your company. It is Sports Day here on SEN 657. Peter Vlahos with you on this Thursday, the 12th of January, almost halfway through the month. Uh, you can join us anytime on the Tempera Bedshed text machine 0487 736 736 or the phone is always available 13 12 55. Bedshed are experts in temper mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases Check the range of temper products in store. Visit bedshed.com.au. Now, I tell you what's going to be interesting in the next two weeks, and this is my hot topic here. Thanks to Repco for expert car service. Book into your local Repco authorised service centre is how many people will jump on the Nick Kyrgios bandwagon? Now, for the most part, there's people that have said to me, Australians who have followed Australian sports says, I will never support Nick Kyrgios because of his behaviour. And here you are, he's got the exhibition match tomorrow night at Rod Laver Arena and all the tickets sold in an hour against Novak Djokovic. If Novak was playing somebody else, I'm not sure the tickets would have sold in an hour. He's also going to be front and centre in the big Netflix doco, you can catch the first batch of five episodes uh, from tomorrow and episode six to ten land uh, a bit later on. But people are going to watch that and then he'll go on court at the Australian Open. And from all reports, he's gearing up and there's been a lot of tennis experts that are predicting that the crowd will be like an extra person supporting Nick when he goes out and he'll play most of the matches on Rod Laver Arena and he'll play most of the matches at night because of the primetime audience. And he'll draw the audience at night around the country, maybe even around the world, because the Americans love him. I've seen that firsthand at the US Open. There were queues lining up to see Nick Kyrgios play at Flushing Meadow at Arthur Ashe Stadium, at Louis Armstrong Arena, which some of the major courts there in New York. So he's got general mass appeal. Yet there's still those little individuals that just can't, for whatever reason, warm to him. I've been very critical of Nick Kyrgios during his journey because I think some of the things that he's done have been downright poor. I think his conduct at times has been poor. But as we do and as the individual grows into the sport, as you saw with Leighton Hewitt, and as we saw at times fleetingly with Mark Philippoussis, as we've seen with John McEnroe, is you tend to then grow with the person as a sports identity and marvel at his talent and ability. And I've got a feeling when you look at the Australian Open draw, and we're going to discuss that a bit later on with Val Febo, who uh, is involved in a number of uh, tennis publications and broadcasts and podcasts here in Australia. He's going to break it all down for us on what Nick's chances are of advancing through to the Australian Open Grand Slam final. We know that he's gone to a Grand Slam final, Nick Kyrgios, but 
Will he take out his first Grand Slam title as Ash Barty did in January of last year? Will it be an Australian victory? And if that's the case, where will Nick Kyrgios stand in relation to the all-time sporting greats of this country? It's going to be fascinating, fascinating viewing. There's no question about that. Pat Cash has won a Grand Slam. He beat Ivan Lendl back, I think it was 1987, at Wimbledon on grass. And Pat Cash said this on Nick Kyrgios' Australian Open hopes. He does very well with very little match practice. He, he's such a great striker of the ball. I think he can't do. He's an exceptional player with a, you know, exceptional shot making and, and some massive guns on, 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 his, on his side. So he can blow players away. Uh, he can blow players away. And it's interesting that Nick Kyrgios has turned his love of basketball into an investment today by joining the ownership group of NBL team, the South East Melbourne Phoenix. The deal was announced on the eve of the Australian Open with the 2022 Wimbledon runner-up making a, a second move into sports investment. So there you go. Nick now has a share of the South East Melbourne magic. I'll be talking to Val Febo about the Australian chances at the Open. Pat Cash also spoke courtesy of Channel 7 on the uh, possibilities of Alex Dimonor. We'd be hopeful for him to be well and truly into the second week, um, and I think he, I think he does have a chance of doing that this year. It's just a matter of time before Alex really cracks it through and makes gets through to the next the next level. But everybody is looking at Novak Djokovic. Uh, he looks like at this stage to be the man to run down. Whoever beats Novak probably will win the Australian Open. And this is what he had to say on being the villain last year. I was just following the rules. You know, my my exemption was verified by name-dependent uh, body uh, and panel of doctors. So uh, it was unknown, you know, who was uh, handing or giving the request. Uh, and, I, and I came in with all the valid papers. All of a sudden I became the villain, you know, of the world, which, which was uh, obviously a terrible position to be in. As, as, as an athlete, as someone that is looking to obviously thrive in its own area, in its, or, its own, so to say, uh, direction of, of life and profession. Um, but that's something that I, I, I guess I had to learn how to handle. So there you go. That's Novak Djokovic. As I mentioned, I think he's the man to beat. You beat him, uh, and I think you could possibly take off the Australian Open title. And I wouldn't be surprised if Novak makes it to the final Sunday of the tournament. Now for tyre power, buy three and get one free and selected Kumo passenger car and SUV tyres at tyre power. Let's update the Big Bash match currently underway. It's at the MCG between the Adelaide Strikers and the cellar dwellers, the Melbourne Stars. And the Stars are doing okay on this occasion. The Strikers are four for 67 in the 12th over. Hoses on 19, the Englishman off 17 balls and Nielsen is out there on six. And uh, the striker is just finding it a little bit tough. Four for 67. And currently they're going at a run rate of around about 5.08 runs an hour. And also in sport today, it appears that we're getting very close to it here in Perth. The FIFA Women's World Cup is fast approaching. And the Matildas want their FIFA Women's World Cup opening match against Ireland shifted to Stadium Australia to ensure a bigger crowd. Now, the July 20 match is scheduled to be played at the Sydney Football Stadium, which has a capacity of 45,000. However, with reports of FIFA considering moving the match, such has been the demand for tickets, which have gone through the roof. 
The Matildas are hopeful the game will instead be played at the Stadium Australia, which can hold 83,500 people. And from all reports, that looks like it could happen. So we could have a massive crowd, a record crowd possibly, for women's sport here in Australia, seeing the Matildas in their opening FIFA World Cup match there in the middle of the year. We'll take a break. On the other side of the break, we'll talk tennis about the Australian Open draw today with Val Febo. Uh, I look forward to having a chat to Val. He's very well connected when it comes to tennis. Also, later on, uh, we're going to feature Craig Simmons. Remember him at the Perth Scorchers? We're going to have a chat to him a bit later on as well. It's 8 past 5, Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos. All thanks to Kia and the seven-seat Kia Sorento Large SUV. Sports Day for Kia. The seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's most awarded large SUV ever. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Sports Day for Kia. The seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's most awarded large SUV ever. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Sports Day WA, you're with Peter Vlahos, all thanks to Kia and the all-new Kia Sorento large SUV. It's certainly a vehicle you should check out. Well, it's all about tennis now, isn't it? The Australian Open draw was conducted earlier today. It all cranks up at Melbourne Park on Monday, and we're so looking forward to it. One of the major sporting events every year on the Australian sporting calendar. And to discuss exactly how it's all likely to shape up after the draw today is Val Febo, who is uh, from the Breakpoint uh, podcast and also a commentator come journalist with the first serve uh, here on SEN. Thanks for joining us, Val. No problems, Peter. How are you? Very well. The draw was conducted today, and we always thought of Isla Tomlanovic because she wasn't seated was going to maybe uh, be in for a rough ride. And that certainly has played out, hasn't it? Yes, yeah, certainly. It's, uh, it's, it's always hard when you're not seated at a Grand Slam. And for poor Isla, she's drawn Nadia Podoroska in the first round, which on a hard court, she should be able to account for making the US Open quarterfinals last year. She's in pretty good form. Um, Podoroska, former semifinalist at the French Open in 2020. But the second round is not easy at all because it'll either be, should she get through Potter Oscar, Sophia Cannon, the 2020 champion, or Victoria Azarenka, the 24th seed and 2012 and 13 champion. So uh, it's not going to be easy for Isla, but it's a draw that she could possibly get through. And I wouldn't be surprised to see her get through, but then third round, well, reigning semi-finalist Madison Keys is in that little section as well. So not an easy one for Isla. It's interesting when you talk about Azarenka and Ken, and they're the only two active women's champions in the draw because there has been a seismic shift, hasn't there, in recent times with the retirement of supposedly Serena Williams and <laughs> Naomi Osaka, of course, pulling out as well now that we find out she's expecting. Well, a lot of the actual... Uh, I saw a tweet today, I think, uh, the last... Uh, five or six Australian Open champions, all of them have something to do with a baby at the moment. Angelique Kerber, the 2016 champion, she's out uh, pregnant at the moment. 
2017, Serena, she won while pregnant. 2018, uh, Caroline Wozniacki has just welcomed her second baby uh, into the world. And, um, yeah, so it just continues on and on. And, uh, yeah, 19 and 21, Naomi Osaka, um, she's, yeah, pulled out, as you said, with um, with an incoming baby. So really interesting. Um, and, yeah, that Azarenka and Kennan are the only two former champions left in the draw, which is just absolutely bizarre. But, um, yeah, both of those two, um, I'm, I'm not really sure where to go w- with that match. Azarenka's played okay in her two tournaments in Adelaide so far, and some, um, Sophia Kennan playing in uh, in Hobart at the moment. But Kennan, um, a bit inconsistent at the present, um, had a couple of injury problems since her uh, since the 2020 French Open final, um, which she made. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really not sure what to expect um, with that matchup, but yeah, really, really interesting. That's probably the best first round matchup that we have. Mm. I know some big names that won't be there, as we know, and we don't know how Rafael Nadal is going to go. And we'll talk about the men's draw in just a moment. But I tell you what's going to be a nice little sidelight to the Australian Open is the Czech sisters, both teenagers. The Czech wonder kid, Brendan Fruvatova. Uh, she's qualified for the Australian Open going through college today. She's only 15, as I mentioned, and she joins her sister, who's 17 years of age, Linda. So that's going to be a, a nice little sidelight, if you can term it that way, to the Australian Open this year. Yeah, it certainly is. And it's nice when you have those, um, when you have those stories of the siblings, and obviously we've had one of the best um, sibling rivalries in sporting history with the Williams sisters and what they've been able to do on the big stage. They've met in countless Grand Slam finals um, over, you know, across three different decades, the 90s, the, the 2000s um, and the 2010s. So, yeah, we're, I think we're really lucky in tennis that you can have that sibling rivalry um, at, the, at the biggest stage. And obviously it is in the genes with the, with the sisters and yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do at 15 years of age. It is such a wonderful story to see um, to see you get through to a Grand Slam, and you know, it's just it's absolutely unbelievable. Let's have a look at Nick Kyrgios. Uh, how did he come out of the men's side of the draw, and of course, Alex Dimonor as well. Yeah, so Nick Kyrgios is actually drawn. It's a pretty difficult section. I'm not going to lie for Nick. Um, he's drawn Roman Safiulin in the opening round. So he's a Russian guy. If you haven't heard of him, go back and watch some of the highlights from the 2021 or 2022, sorry, ATP Cup, because he was in scintillating form, pretty much single-handedly got Russia to the final with Daniel Medvedev uh, last year. But then second round, Ugo Umber or Richard Gasquet. Now we know Kyrgios and Gasquet have had their epic encounters over the years. Gasquet a lot older. Probably not going to get through that match, but Ugo Umber, Nick Kyrgios in 2021, if you look at what they were, they did in Grand Slams, well, they both, uh, both of them play, or played two matches, uh, Australian Open and Wimbledon. Both of them went to five sets. So if that is the second round matchup, that's unbelievable. Then the third round, unfortunately for Nick, he's drawn uh, Holger Rune, prob- probably anyway, or Maxime Cressy. Cressy made the fourth round last year at the AO, but Holger Rune has stormed into the top 10. The Dane beat Novak Djokovic in the Paris final just two months ago. So he's in really good form himself. And then the fourth round could be Andre Rublev or Dominic Team. I doubt it's going to be Dominic Team just with how things have been going for him on the comeback from injury. Rublev not in the greatest of form, but I still think Holger Runa is the big challenge in that section for Nick Kyrgios. Alex Dimonor hasn't had the worst draw, but uh, so he'll play a qualifier or a lucky loser in the opening round. 
And then John Isner or Adrian Manorino in the second. And Isner and Manorino have been around for a very long time. And look, I, I, I think Demonor with his legs should be able to get through that one. He's such a good returner. So if he plays Isner, I've got no doubts that he'll get through that match. Third round, Pablo Carreño Busta. Now, he's in really good form at the moment. He won the since uh, the um, Canadian Masters 1000 uh, tournament last year. So he's in ripping form himself. But then round four, well, Novak Djokovic. And to be honest, I don't think many people are going to be beating Novak at this Australian Open. And um, it's one of the toughest tasks in tennis to beat Novak here in Australia. Hasn't lost in five years um, in this country. So it's uh, it's going to be tough. So a bit of a worrying draw for Demon or there should he get through to the fourth round. I've always been a huge fan of Rafael Nadal and every Grand Slam tournament that I can remember, he's always gone deep into the tournament. Now, he's having a bit of a tough time at the moment. He's lost six of his last seven matches. The only victory, I believe, was since the US Open was in August, a dead rubber against Casper Ruud in the ATP finals. I see he takes on uh, the British world number 40, Jack Draper, in the opening round. Could we see possibly like we've never seen before, an early exit for the great Spaniard? Well, he hasn't been out early in a Grand Slam for a long time. There are a couple of Wimbledons where he fell very early um, in 2012 and 13 when Lucas Rossol got him in the second round in 2012 and Steve Darcy got him in 2013. And then um, also Fernando Vadasco last time he lost so early here was in 2016 in a five-setter to his fellow Spaniard. But it could very well happen again. Jack Draper is in phenomenal form. He's playing some great tennis. Dispatch Karen Kashinov in Adelaide today. Um, Kashinov, not in bad form himself, made the US Open semifinals at the most recent Grand Slam. The only thing is, if he continues to go deep in, uh, in Adelaide, will he be cooked by the time he gets to Melbourne? Because this is the problem we see. Often players will win the leading tournament the week before a Grand Slam, and then when the Grand Slam comes around... They run out, they've run out of gas. So it's an interesting notion there. But, um, yeah, Nadal, this is a nightmare draw for him because Draper could very well come out and beat him. You said he's 0-2, and two, 6 out of his last 7 he's lost. It's only the second time in his career, career since 2003-04 that he's actually had or been in this position where he's lost that sheer volume of matches. So it's, it's really, really peculiar for Nadal to be finding himself in this position, yet he's still the number one seed for this major. So he'll have Daniel Medvedev projected in the quarterfinals, which is tough. An informed Stefano Tsitsipas projected for his semifinal. But then before that, Francis Tiafo, who's informed and actually beat him at the US Open last year. So this is really interesting to see how Rafa gets through this. Hasn't been 100% fit, has lost his first two matches of the year from a setup. And you're right, his, his win did come over Kasper Ruud. But Rude is a player that he matches up with very, very well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure where I sit on Rafa. I don't, I'm actually going to make the call that I don't think he's getting to the quarterfinals here. Mm, Val Febo, uh, it's been great chatting to you. I must finish with a man that was always in the news this time last year, and he's still in the news in some ways as he heads uh, into the Australian Open. We're talking about Novak Djokovic. Uh, there were some injury concerns. He seems to be okay. It looks like he'll take his place at Melbourne Park. Uh, how do you see the path for the Serb? Uh, the path, it's, look, to put things candidly, I, I think he's going to win it. I, I can't see anybody getting past him. I think he finished the year while he was world number five and while he is world number five, I think he finished the year as the best player in the world. He won in Tel Aviv. 
He won in Astana. He lost a very tight match in the final of the Paris Masters, and then he won the ATP finals. And then backing up again this year, he's already won in Adelaide with an epic win over Seb Quarter when he wasn't playing his best, but he still found a way to get the job done. He just doesn't lose at Melbourne Park. And if he manages to get a deep run, it's going to be very, very hard to get over the top of him. And you look at his draw, he's got Pablo Carreño Busta, who actually has beaten him a few times in some big matches. One of those was, of course, the uh, lineswoman gate when Djokovic hit the ball back towards the uh, the lineswoman and got her in the throat. So that was the US Open in 2020 when he got disqualified. Um, they're, they're on track to meet in the fourth round unless Alex Dimonor can beat Carreño Busta should they play. Grigor Dimitrov in that side of the draw as well, but I think Djokovic should be able to account for him. And then Andre Rublev uh, or Nick Kyrgios or Holger Runa in the um, in the quarterfinals. So that, it's really interesting for Djokovic. I'm not really sure what we're going to see. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I do think he's going to be the one to beat. And it's just going to be so hard to come over the top of him. He, he's mentally so strong and so complete. So, yeah, Novak Djokovic, I think, is the one to beat on the men's side. And uh, no doubt, Igor Svitek uh, would be the red-hot favourite on the women's side. Yeah, 100%. Even though she did have a big loss in uh, in Sydney in the United Cup, Jessica Pagula absolutely dispatched her. She made the semifinals at the AO last year and finished the year so strongly, won two slams at the French and uh, and the US Open after well, in the aftermath of Ash Barty retiring in the world, sort of wondering who was going to take the mantle. Well, she took it and ran. She's miles ahead of the rest of the pack. And, yeah, mentally, she's so switched on. And, yeah, I think Igor Fiontek is the favourite, although the women's, uh, the women's side of things, you never really know. You could throw a blanket over 30 of them, and all 30 of them could come out with the win. Good on you, Val. Very comprehensive, mate. We appreciate your time here on Sports Day. Check out the Breakpoint podcast, and, of course, you can call, uh, catch Val's work on the first serve as well. Thanks for your time. Enjoy the Australian Open. No worries, Peter. You too. Val Febo, that is very comprehensive. Gives you a great snapshot on uh, the Australian Open after the draw for the first Grand Slam of the year was conducted earlier today in Melbourne. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more Sports Day on this Thursday with Peter Vlahos. It's great to have your company. Sports Day for Kia. The seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's most awarded large SUV ever. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. The seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's most awarded large SUV ever. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Sports Day WA, thanks to the seven-seat Kia Sorento large SUV with Peter Vlas. Interesting that the Test Series documentary, the second part, is coming out shortly. And, of course, uh, things are being leaked out from a promotional point of view. David Warner is featured in it, and he said he disapproved of the short-term contract extension offered to Justin Langer but admitted the coach lost several key players in the Australian team. And he says he lost a fair few players and probably the wrong players. Uh, as we know, Justin Langer refused to take part in the second part of uh, that documentary. So we look forward to 
seeing that and all the uh, current players all will line up and no doubt uh, have their opinion on what transpired during that period when they won the World T20 World Cup and also the Ashes series. So it wasn't a bad track record there by Justin Langer. On the Ladbrokes Lounge, you can hear it 9 to 11 every Saturday morning with uh, yours truly and Nat Medhurst, who, by the way, returns this Saturday after, of course, tying the knot on New Year's Eve. So we'll find out all about that. But uh, the star, former Australian Diamond, will join me in the studio on Saturday morning. Last Saturday morning, it was the retro round, as we know, when it came to the Perth Scorchers. And they went back uh, over the years, being the most successful BBL franchise. And we spoke to Craig Simmons on the program, who had an incredible little fleeting time, a couple of seasons with the Perth Scorchers before he went to the Adelaide Strikers. Still plays cricket uh, in the Rockingham Manger area. And he spoke to yours truly, Peter Vlahos, and Ashley Nelson. And I thought it might be uh, great just to reflect back on that chat we had last weekend. Very well, thanks, guys. Have you seen the little pick in the paper today, mate? Yeah, I did. I head up. I headed up to um, Optus Stadium yesterday and had a bit of a chat with the boys and caught up with them. And yeah, no, it was good. Actually, it's actually the first time I've been to the ground. So, yeah, oh, really? Good. You haven't been to Optus before? No, no. So I thought I'd, I'd journey up from Mandra and, and check it out. And, yeah, look, I'm looking forward to sitting home tonight when I finish cricket and watching the game. Well, of course, the boundaries are a bit uh, bigger here at Optus than they are at the Wacker, but I reckon you would have cleared them in anyway. Yeah, I think so. If they're going 20 metres over, they're generally going to clear <laughs> over. <laughs> Very good. The confidence levels are higher. Craig, you might not have been to the, the stadium, but what have you made of uh, the Perth Scorchers so far this season? They've been pretty impressive given the changes that they've had to their lineup. Yeah, look, really impressive. Um, I think the, the things that stick out is the bowling group's always going to keep you in the game. You know, when you've got Dry Richardson, Jason Baradoff, Andrew Ty, and Ashton Agard, and, you know, you don't really need to get that many runs because they can defend anything. And, you know, Ashton Turner and, and Josh Inglis are business as always. So they've set the culture of the, the Scorchers for, you know, 10 or 11 years. So I'm, I'm sure nothing's going to change in the near future. Are you still involved with the Rockingham Mandra Cougar Club? I am. I'm coach. Um, I've just set the warm-up before I spoke to you guys. I'm going to start playing in about an hour. So, yeah, yeah. Still, still running around. Amazing. Is it? It's in your blood. You just love it, don't you? Yeah, I do love playing. I've pretty been pretty open to that. That you know, For me, it's not just about running around and playing You know, state cricket or first grade. It's, it's just love for the game. So if I drop down and play lower grades, and that's so be it as well. Sounds like there's a bit of talent coming through from uh, Rockingham Mandurah. Of course, Teague Wiley coming from there. Is Corey Wosley from Rockingham Mandurah as well? Yep, so we've got yeah, both of them guys. Uh, Corey Wosley's had an outstanding start to the year. He's averaging pretty much over 60, which is really good. Um, got another young fellow, Albert Esterhusen. Um, he's in the state under 17s. And, yeah, look, he's a talent as well. He's I think he's 15, 16 playing first grade. And, yeah, he's another guy that's going to do a fair bit of damage for us as well. Mm. Moving forward. Yeah, I know Mark Wosley, the old man. And uh, he was a he was a tear away fast bowler. Let me tell you, I used to hook him over deep fine leg for six when I played against him. But was as a good fella. Give him my regards, by the way, because no doubt he comes down, has a look at the young fella, do his tricks. Uh, let's go back to when you played. Uh, tell us about your experiences. The big bash was just it's had it's plateaued a bit in recent years, as we know, Craig. But when you were playing in those seasons of 2013-14 onwards, you played a couple of seasons with the Scorchers and a couple of seasons with the Adelaide Strikers. It was Hollywood stuff, wasn't it? It, it was. Um, I think you know back then Channel Ten obviously kind of 
done a really good job and, and sort of got everyone interested into it. And yeah, it had certainly died off in the, in the last few seasons, but I think this year it's really made a comeback. I think the close games in the last you know week or so, I think everyone started watching a lot more, and you know myself included. I think there was a couple of years where I sort of would flick on to the Scorchers games, but that's about it. But this year I sort of found myself watching a bit more cricket. So yeah, hopefully it's a start of things to come, and I think they've done the right move by moving forward and shortening the season again as well. Uh, you spoke about the the pace attack of the Perth Scorchers. Uh, Lance Morris coming back into the the Scorchers hopefully tonight, and about 150 kilometres he sends those balls down. Now, are you um, reflecting on your experience when you were in the BBL? Who was perhaps one of the bowlers that was most feared at the time that you had to face? Um, well, Sean Tate was was you know he was still riding bowling over 150 then, so he was always tough to face. Um, Brett Lee was at the end of his career, but look, he was he was still a competitor and still wanted to run in the bowls as fast as he can. Um, yeah, other than that, it was yeah, there was you know Mitch Stark was starting off and he was another one that bowled fast, but yeah, I don't know. I think Lance is definitely up there with them guys. He's um, yeah, he's an absolute tearaway, and look, I'm looking forward to seeing him hopefully sooner rather than later getting his crack for Australia. It's interesting when you scored that 100 off only 39 balls. You were pretty much an unknown. You came into the side to replace Liam Davis, as I recall, and it was only your fourth match. So a lot of people hadn't seen a lot of you. But when you scored that cracking century, you were the toast of the town. Tell us about that occasion. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really hard to to know what happened to be honest um i went out even the first you know five or ten balls i remember i was you know shanking them off the inside edge and got dropped at one stage and nicking a few through third man and you know i had that feel in the back of my mind well this is my last game you know you know i had a few chats with justin Langer before the game and he did without saying this is your last game he was pretty said you know what you need runs so i did go out there with a pretty much a no fear sort of approach i thought well if i'm going to go out i might as well go out and have a bit of fun so I was sort of swinging for the bootlaces and, yeah, I don't know, to find that if you get out a couple of centre, you sort of get on a bit of a roll and, yeah, it just sort of went my way that day. And it was, yeah, pretty good fun. I know that um, this is probably a little bit off topic, but I think that it's been quite a, a controversial discussion over recent weeks that have been uh, the man-cutting that's sort of <laughs> been going on at the moment. As a batter... Do you agree that bowlers should be able to man-cat and it's sort of within the spirit of the game or are you someone that thinks, no, nope, it shouldn't happen whatsoever? Do you understand why bowlers are a little bit annoyed at maybe the batters at the moment? Yeah, I do. I, I, to be honest, I don't really have a problem with it. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the bowl, especially the quick bowlers, they're running in off 20 steps. So if they can, if as a batsman you're not watching hard enough to see that they're not going to bowl the ball, then it's no different from running out of your crease and getting stumped or run out. So it's just a concentration thing for the batters. So, you know, it's, yeah, I think it's, I can, I'm pretty sure that in the next six to 12 months, it's something that's going to creep in more and more. So I think as a batsman, you're going to have to be a bit more careful and watch where, what you're doing when you're backing up. You scored, of course, another century, uh, I think only a few weeks later in that semi-final against the Sydney Sixers, you scored, I think, 112 or 50-odd balls. So you were flying. Um, well, you're always that sort of batsman. And even now when you're playing the lower grades at Rockingham Mandra, do you just go after the bowling from when you uh, get to the crease or have you changed your batting style a bit? No, I certainly try. Um, yeah, I probably don't. <laughs> don't have to <laughs> run then. I did 10 years ago. But yeah, look, I've always, I think since I was sort of 23, 24, that's always sort of been my, my favourite style to go out there and be quite aggressive. Um, yeah, I think like anyone, it's just a confidence thing really. If you, 
if you do give yourself the, ch- the chance to go out there and do it and, and you do get a bit of a role, then, yeah, it's, it is good fun. And I, I love watching Batsman do it, I think. Mm. You know, the guy off the Brisbane Heat, Josh Brown, the other night, I loved it. It was just put so much pressure on these guys running the bowl when you've got someone looking to do it. Yeah. Well, of course, you were born in Sydney, but you played for the Perth Scorchers for a couple of years, but you also played a couple of seasons at the Adelaide Strikers who extended your tenure in the BBL. Uh, you no doubt have a soft spot for both franchises, haven't you? Um, yeah, look, I, I, I love the Scorchers, to be honest. Um, I've always, you know, been involved in WA cricket since I was 11 years old, so that's always the... Well, number one, you know, following, but yeah, Adelaide Strikers. <laughs> it was, to be honest, it was just a financial decision that I couldn't really knock back. You know, it was probably worked out to six times the amount of money to go there. So it was, yeah, something that I just had to do to sort of look after my family, myself at that mm. back age, of my, stage of my career. So. Yeah, I've seen the th- four-story house on the canals down there in Mandra that you live in, Craig. <laughs> uh, you <know. laughs> Mate, uh, you, of course, uh, delivered in the same breath as Chris Gale for the most amount of sixes hit in a game, which is 11th. It's not bad. Chris Gale, Craig Simmons, you're in the elite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, just, it's nice to be mentioned him, but he's, he's an absolute freak, isn't he? You know, like the, what he can do to a cricket ball over a long period of time, it's, yeah, it's something that... You know, I think a lot of people look up to do. So, look, I had my time. Unfortunately, it was pretty short, but look, I loved every bit of it. And, yeah, still a mad cream cricketer follower today. Good on you, mate. You had your time. You enjoyed it. And uh, you've continued on enjoying uh, the game and the spirit that provides with cricket and the camaraderie, no doubt, with all your mates down there. Enjoy the afternoon. It's a bit coolish uh, today, which is terrific uh, to play uh, cricket in these conditions uh, rather than the stifling heat. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we look forward to keeping in touch. Thanks, Craig. Excellent, guys. Cheers. And they're sort of the people that we speak on the Ladbrokes Lounge. You can join us, as I said, Saturday morning between 9 and 11. Uh, Nat Medhurst and yours truly, Peter Vlahos, Ashley Nelson, uh, my partner in crime, in that chat uh, with Craig Simmons. Hope you enjoyed it. Well, let's uh, update racing. Now, by the way, the Scorchers play tomorrow. Uh, for those people following the Scorchers very closely, top of the BBL ladder at this stage. They play the Sydney Thunder uh, in Sydney tomorrow. It gets underway around about 3.30 in the afternoon. So, uh We'll keep you up to date here on SENWA. Now, Racing Queensland update. Queensland is your place to race this summer. And Chris Nelson, the Queensland racing expert, uh, joins us here on Sports Day WA. Peter, thanks for your time. Always great to chat to you. Yeah, it is. Uh, And we do it every Thursday here on Sports Day WA. Of course, you bring us up to date with everything that's happening in Queensland racing. Of course, Queensland is your place to race this summer. Need to ask you first up, I've been following it from afar, the Magic Millions yielding sales. Big bucks have been invested on some very, very excited and uh, interesting horse flesh up there. I thought you'd be over here, Peter, with your hands in your pockets. Yeah. I really did. <laughs> and when I saw that uh, filly, who was uh, a full sister to uh, Sunlight, go for $2.6 million, I thought, well, that had to be you. But it wasn't. <laughs> but it wasn't. It was, uh, it was your long investments who picked that up yesterday and, uh, and set a, a Magic Millions record, as I mentioned, uh, two point... Uh, well, hang on a minute. I've, uh, I should update. We've just had another one go today, lot 606, for $2.7 million. Wow. So... Wow, we've now got a 2.7 and a 2.6, and then we head into 1.6, 1.6, and 1.6. So they're our top five. And the average price, we've had 501 yearlings sold today, average price, $306,000. How does it compare to last year? Because that was an all-time record last year. At the moment, it's tracking higher than last year, obviously aided by those uh, two big ones there, 2.7 
and 2.6. But I am invincible. I can click on the size here. I am invincible, who now tops that uh, list with 2.7, has sold 34 yearlings at an average of $668,000. Max 2.7 million, the gross $22 million worth of I am invincible stock gone under the hammer. That's crazy. That's crazy money. So it's just going north uh, every year up there on the Gold Coast. I tell you what, there's been a few fun and games. We are there at the barrier draw on Tuesday there on the beach. And, of course, we had those two horses that escaped, didn't want a bar of it, and decided to go into town. I was there. It was, uh, it was great down there. Lots of families, lots of people enjoying themselves. The weather was lovely. And, look, unfortunately, with the tide, we didn't have a lot of sand this year. And I don't think that helped. And a lot of the horses were running were sort of in the water and on the sand. And uh, normally they're just on the sand. So they got to the end there and a couple of them uh, wanted to play up and they dumped their jockeys who were fine and ran through a, a plastic barrier there. And off they went uh, down into the streets of Surfers Paradise. You would have seen the footage of them going through uh, a couple of intersections in there. But I'm, I'm pleased to report there was no horses, humans or equipment damaged. And I know one of those horses was back in his paddock that afternoon enjoying a few carrots. So there you go. All's well that ends well. <laughs> uh, talking to Chris Nelson, of course, our Queensland racing expert. Let's see if we can pick a couple of winners for the big race meeting on Saturday. All right. Well, let's go with our best bettors. Race four, number two, Scalapini. Resuming from a break, uh, he should settle nice and close. He's trialled well. He jumped out well on Tuesday. He looks the one we can bank on for the day, race four, number two. Uh, in the Magic Millions two-year-old, I'm finding that too hard. So I'll just pass and go to the three-year-old, which, of course, is race number eight. Go with number four, the Toowoomba Galloper Yellow Brick, who won the uh, $750,000 King of the Mountain last start on his home track. He's a really good horse, Peter. He likes to roll forward. He sits on the pace. He absorbs the pressure. And then he just finds another gear, generally, and races clear. So I think he can take the step up and handle those interstate raiders. And I think he'll win race eight, number four, Yellow Brick. Good stuff, Chris. Uh, that brings us right up to date with everything that's happening, of course, in Queensland racing. The Queensland Summer Racing Carnival takes centre stage once again this week. You need to visit racingqueensland.com.au. Chat to you next week. Enjoy the weekend. You too. Look forward to it, Peter. Good on you. Chris Nelson joining us. Uh, the strikers all out for 108 in the BBL. Off 19.2 overs, all out for 108. So a chance oh here for the bottom place, Melbourne Stars, to have a victory at home. It's been a lean season for the yeah. team in yeah. green. Yeah. The strikers all out for 108, off 19.2. We'll take a break. We'll come back more here on Sports Day for Kia, the seven-seat Kia Sorento large SUV. Sports Day for Kia. The seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's most awarded large SUV ever. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Sports Day for Kia. The seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's most awarded large SUV ever. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Coming towards the end of our Sports Day WA program for this week. Uh, of course, we do it Monday to Thursday between 5 and 6 here on SEN WA. Of course, uh, on Monday, SEN right across uh, the Australian Open exclusive uh, radio rights to the big uh, tennis tournament, the first Grand Slam of 2023. Just some good news coming out uh, of America where the Buffalo Bills safety, uh, Damar Hamlin, 
He's been discharged from the hospital nine days after suffering, uh, suffering that cardiac arrest during that NFL game and will continue his rehabilitation at home. The 24-year-old was transferred to a Buffalo hospital on Monday after a week at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. He went through a comprehensive medical evaluation as well as a series of cardiac, neurological and vascular testing. Uh, as we know, he collapsed back on January the 2nd in a game against the Cincinnati Bengals. So it's good to see that uh, Damar is certainly on the road to recovery and will continue his rehabilitation at home. Just before I say goodbye and give you the weather details, uh, Lionel Messi, uh, after, of course, being triumphant in the World Cup, was back playing for PSG in the top flight of French football, and he scored his first goal, actually, since the World Cup for PSG. Messi with the touch. Ekatike. Oh, and the ball from Mukiele to Messi. That's wonderful. But the flag has gone up. Lovely, intricate passing. Let's have a look again. Yeah, that was the offside, but that's not off. Or perhaps the... (laughs) Is Messi behind the line of the ball? I think this goal might count. It might count. It's a brilliant finish from Messi. And the goal is given. Lionel Messi marks his return with a goal. Yeah, what a player and what a World Cup he had. Uh, by the way, get behind the Perth Wildcats this season. They are at home this Saturday. Tip-off is at 5 o'clock against the Adelaide 36ers. Uh, just head to tickertech.com.au. And the weather outlook, thanks to New Farm Australian through and through for your Friday. Looking at a sunny day, wind south to southwesterly at 15 to 20 knots, becoming light before dawn, then becoming south to southwesterly at 25 to 35 knots. Uh, in the early in the morning, reaching up to 45 k's along the coast in the afternoon. For the weekend, more importantly, 32 for Saturday and also ditto. Exactly the same for Sunday, 32 degrees. Uh, We are in for a a lovely weekend. Of course, the weather outlook, yes, it's terrific. Thanks to New Farms products. They are formulated with the highest quality right here in Australia, New Farm Australian through and through. Look forward to your company on Saturday morning between 9 and 11. It's the Ladbrokes Lounge. Nat Methurst is going to join us. We'll have a full preview of the Australian Open tennis that gets away on Monday. Uh, We're going to speak to a couple of individuals there at Melbourne Park, so looking forward to that. We'll preview the Perth Wildcats, uh, as we mentioned, taking on the Adelaide 36ers. The Perth Glory, can they make it three wins from their last three starts? Uh, Victory last weekend against the Western Sydney Wanderers on Tuesday night. They beat the Brisbane Raw, who hadn't lost in eight, by two goals to one. And they take on the Sky Blues, Sydney FC at Macedonia Park on Saturday night. So we'll look at that as well. Plus uh, all the cricket, so much uh, you can get your teeth into. Ladbrokes Lounge between 9 and 11 on Saturday morning. I'll leave you with Jeff Beck, probably the greatest rock guitarist of all time who passed away in the last 24 hours. Of course, started his career with this band, the Yardbirds, who also featured Eric Clapton. Rest in peace, the great Jeff Beck. Where is she? Tell me where. And if she says to you, she don't love me.
Yeah. 